Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 288 of the podcast. It's the 28th of July, 2021, as I record this intro. And Anna Brown joins me this week to talk about our theme in the Living Joyfully Network this month, Sitting with Fear and Discomfort. This is something that comes up on our unschooling journey pretty regularly because not only are we challenging lots of cultural norms around learning and parenting, we're also giving our children space to make meaningful choices in their days, from what they want to do to how they want to explore the world. And sometimes their exploration has us bumping up against our comfort zones. So Anne and I walk through the process of noticing our fear or discomfort, validating the emotions we're feeling, asking questions about our internal experience, as well as what's happening in front of us, and coming to a greater understanding of the situation. And then from this place of deeper clarity, we can have more meaningful conversations with those involved and make choices moving forward that both make sense and feel good. Fear and discomfort will bubble up again and again. That is just part of life. But having tools to tease apart the various aspects at play, like cultural messages we've absorbed, baggage we carry from past experiences, and thoughts we might be projecting into the future, helps us process the overwhelm, improves our communication, and strengthens our relationships with our kids. Now, before we get started, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Jenna Gay Hollis. Hi, Jenna Gay! I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page on patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring and schooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Anna. Welcome. I'm Anna Larikia from livingjoyfully.ca. And today I'm here with Anna Brown. Hi, Anna. Hey, Pam. <laughs> so this month in the Living Joyfully Network, our theme has been sitting with fear and discomfort. And it has been fascinating. I've really been enjoying this month. So when fear arises, our instinctual reaction is often to reach for control, like, and just crank on that tool until our fear subsides, right? Yet with unschooling, we've discovered that wielding control over another person both weakens our connection and relationship, and it interferes with their and our learning. So what can we do instead? sit with our fear and discomfort and see what we discover. So I'm really excited to talk about this, Anna. Let's dive in. <laughs> yeah. Yay. All right. So why sit with discomfort and fear? I mean, that's a great question to start with. 
So as I mentioned, when we experience fear or even just niggling discomfort with something, right? Our knee-jerk reaction is often to reach for control, but we know the toll that that can take on relationships. And even on our relationship with ourselves, if we're trying to use control or guilt tactics to get ourselves to do something that we think we, you know, quote, should do, or we berate ourselves for having these feelings in the first place, I shouldn't be scared of that or whatever. So instead, we're looking for other tools that we can use to help us actually process what's happening rather than trying to stop or ignore it. Sitting in discomfort with our fears doesn't literally mean sitting. And what I mean is we don't need to find large swaths of alone time. It's more about being with our fears without reacting to our discomfort for a while. So just to be clear, we're not talking about emergent physical peril type situations here, right? For me, sit implies cultivating that meditative, open-minded, curious, and kind mindset that creates a safe and loving space for ourselves in which we can explore the many facets of our fear that we will find or the uncomfortableness that's bubbling up for us. So that's what sitting with discomfort and fear means for me. Yeah, I mean, so first, I just want to say that moving through this topic on the network this month has really been amazing, (laughs) because I feel like there have been so many aha moments and insights for the people there. And for me, you know, myself, as I'm thinking about how this plays out with me and just just really super filled with gratitude for that community right now. Because I will say that the idea of sitting with discomfort was not really always, that's not always been easy for me, okay? Because I tend to want to control, solve, move on. (laughs) Like, you know, like I just want to just deal with it that way. But I realized that I wanted a better understanding before I reacted because it just almost always goes awry if I'm jumping straight into action without really understanding my own pieces about it. You know, because my first reaction, like you said, is often to reach for control or just shut it down, you know, just shut down whatever's happening. And that always leads to disconnection. And I don't want to shut someone else down. Like when I think about it logically, I don't want to do that. I, I want to understand, though, so that I can be intentional about my next steps and remain connected to my child or my partner or whoever I'm moving through this experience with. And when we have fear and move straight into action, we're missing the things we can learn from the experience. So it really, you know, stunts our own personal growth. And when we reach for control with our kids, it stunts their exploration and learning. And we weaken that connection, like we've mentioned, and the trust that we've built. Because, you know, we're cultivating these relationships. We're building a trust. And for some people that are newer to it, you know, that's tenuous. So it's like we, those, those bonds can be broken pretty quickly. Now we can repair, but like, I'm not saying this is forever, but it is something to be aware of where we come into quickly and how that can impact the work that we're doing in these other areas. And I think what was important for me too, just as this kind of overall is understanding that fear is just a message. You know, we don't have to be afraid of it. We can just notice it. We can even be grateful for it because it's showing us something that we need to look at maybe a little bit more closely and just cultivating gratitude for the message for me changes the energy of it instantly. Yeah. 
And, you know, again, I like to come with that playful attitude and, you know, try it out, try it out a couple of times and see, because I remember one of the big takeaways or learning for me when I first started trying this out was how much of the picture I was missing at first, right? When I was first having this reaction, um, you know, it's understandable. There's nothing wrong with the reaction or the feelings that I'm having. But when I could sit with it for a while and learn a bit more, I learned how much I didn't know at first, how much I was missing, Um, not only the piece of myself, but the pieces of the situation and the other people involved. So that just that when you talk about trust, building trust in the process of sitting with your fear and discomfort versus immediately reacting with control, I build trust in that process that I would learn new things, that there were probably things that I didn't know yet. So to not react immediately was, right. was really helpful. That, that fear bring that tunnel in, you know, because it does. And like you're saying, you miss a lot when you're in this fear tunnel. You're not hearing the people around you. You're not seeing the situation clearly. And so, you know, that's that first step to when we can like, okay, this message is coming through, but I don't want to narrow in. I want to just give it some space and see see what bubbles up, see what's yeah. And that leads so nicely to the next thing I want to talk about, which is why it's so important to first be kind to ourselves, right? Because sitting with discomfort to, dispro- to process and to move through our fears is really all about learning more about ourselves, learning that cultivates this deeper level of self-awareness. So being kind and compassionate towards ourselves is often about releasing judgments that we're feeling, judgments about ourselves, about our kids, our partner, um, earlier experiences we've had, like past baggage, societal messages, the cultural messages that we've absorbed, because those cloud the situation, right? They can be expectations that we're putting on ourselves, to find the the right answer, right? And to find it fast. And it helps to remind ourselves that, you know, this isn't a physical peril. We have time. We have time to process. It's not urgent. Um, So when we're in that kind of info gathering stage of processing, you know, that observer mode, if we aren't feeling kind and compassionate, and safe, like creating a safe space for ourselves, we are much more likely to hit that tunnel vision that you were talking about, right? We're likely to be selective in the information that we're gathering to contemplate, to think about, and risk missing so many other pieces. It's that our human tendency to like confirmation bias, right? That we are immediately in that heightened state, in that heightened kind of fear state, almost thoughtlessly or more subconsciously, instinctively filtering the information that's coming at us in ways that support and reinforce our existing belief that, you know, this is scary, that there's something wrong with this, that we need to fix this fear. And in that state of tunnel vision, we basically just see what we're looking for, right? confirming our first instinct to reach for a control-based solution, like bringing in new rules or or restrictions, et cetera, that will relieve the tension that we're feeling with our fear. So instead, if we can see that rising fear as a nudge or just a flag for ourselves, a sign to just stop, breathe, and observe, right? To, oh, 
for me, that breathing is super important. important. In that kindness bubble, like I I like to think of it that way, like that kindness bubble, it's in there that we're really able to start observing what's happening and taking things that are new to us. Notice those things that in that tunnel vision of fear, we would just discount and not even like bring into our consciousness to think about. So that, that to me is why it's so important to get to this kind and compassionate mindset first before I choose any actions, reactions, et cetera. Well, it's like if we go to beating ourselves up or shaming ourselves, it, it's not addressing the underlying needs or emotions or the issues, just what we talk about with our kids. And then that's where things can fester. And you know, one of the, the network members was talking about how she realized that she was acting in the role of kind of dismissive parent to herself, trying to say she shouldn't feel a certain way. Just get over it. it you know, this is dumb. Why are you feeling like this? But it didn't help her get over it (laughs) for her to be berating herself that way. It just made her feel terrible. And so she realized that she needed to validate herself. You know, this is feeling hard and scary right now. I'm not understanding this. And I, I don't like the way that it's feeling. And when we can give that kindness to ourselves, it it helps us to open up to the other options. It helps us to see those things we weren't able to see and to use the tools to figure out what's going on. How do we want to move forward? You know, we can let go of judging ourselves as wrong or the bad unschooler or the bad parent, you know, because that just shuts us down. Like it's, it's just not helpful. And when we can hold ourselves with love and kindness, it makes it so much easier to move through whatever emotions are creating the discomfort and helps us turn back to the connection so much faster. And it's in our connections that we're going to find the solutions that feel good to everyone. And just as you were talking, you know, like you said, when we have that confirmation bias, so we're feeling afraid about technology or screens, as you know, people often call them. And it's, all we're seeing is screen, 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 because <laughs> that's what we're feared that that's what happened. But when you can go back into that connection, you see the learning, you see the joy, you see how complex it is, you see that it's just one piece of a larger picture, and then you're able to go, okay. But if you just, you know, tunnel in on the fear, and then you're, or conversely, then you're like, oh, I'm a bad unschooler, unschoolers are supposed to do this, but that's not helping you connect with the child in front of you. That's not helping you understand the situation in front of you because you're not making the choice then from inside of yourself. You're making it because you think you're supposed to. Not a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that piece of like um, when we're judging ourselves, especially like we'll have people, you know, people will be new to unschooling and they'll hear it like, you know, oh, you don't have rules. You don't have time limits around screens. So we'll, we'll stay with that. Um, and, and so, you know, they'll think, you know, to be a good unschooler, the rule is we don't have restrictions around screen. And they release that, right? But then there, so I can, I feel compassionate <laughs> towards people who find themselves in this space where they're fearful of the thing and yet they're judging themselves about the fear and then they're stuck 
And there, so what, not only is it disconnecting, it literally is disconnecting because often they're like, okay, they're doing the thing that I'm fearful about, but I know I shouldn't stop them doing it. But I, if I go up and talk to them, they're going to hear it in my voice. They're going to feel that, you know, so they step back and they're like, okay, so I'm not going to engage with them over that. I'm just going to let them do it, like, which makes total sense. But it doesn't help you process. It doesn't help you move through and better understand the situation and come to see and learn why. Like we don't just willy nilly say, oh, we don't have restrictions on screens. That's like, that's not the end of it, right? There's reasons. <laughs> there's an understanding, there's a principles underneath that. That's where you want to get to and understand. But if you're disconnected and you're not hanging out with your kid and seeing what they're doing and, you know, um, getting into it, like understanding and seeing the nuances of everything and seeing what it is they're literally learning and seeing where that, like, so some random conversation over here that you have was actually connected to something that they were playing, but you don't see that connection if you're not there engaged with them, right? So it's just a spiral if you can't get to connect with them. And I think what happens here with whatever the issue is, if you're making the decision to, you know, kind of squelch your fear down and like pull back over here because I'm going to let them do this thing that scares me, what ends up happening is that that may work for a short amount of time, but then that fear just comes up, just, you know, angry, rearing its head again. And that's confusing to the people in your life because it's like, oh, I thought this was okay. And then it's like, no, it's not okay, but it's okay, but it's not okay. And it's just so much better to dig into that and what's happening and to connect and to understand. And so that's why this month is so important. It's not about, it's whatever the thing is that bubbles up because this process, you know, people, and, and, and things are going to bubble up for us again and, and, and we'll revisit them and we'll have new skills and whatever. But if you're squelching something down and not addressing it or looking at it, it's going to come up in a way that can be harmful to the relationships or really just hard for yourself. And so it's just, it, that's why this is so important. I feel like this piece that we're talking about this month. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why being kind to ourselves is important because whatever is bubbling up for us, we need to give it that space so that we can see it without judgment because it's that judgment of ourselves that has us clamping down, right? So not judging ourselves for whatever we're thinking and feeling. It's okay. It's okay. So now let's transition. So instead of the external fixing things, trying to control new rules, whatever it is to try and, you know, dampen or, or feel better about whatever it's bothering us, let's transition into our internal processing. So how are we actually going to do this? How are we going to work through this discomfort that we've got? <clears throat> um, one thing that, that can help and help me quite a bit was, was reminding myself. I had time. We've talked about that, like reminding ourselves that it's okay. I don't need to have an answer now, but that can be something that really gets in our way because we can feel judged from people like something happened and we need to, or something's up, you know, maybe our parents make, somebody makes a comment about how much screen time or something that, um, that our kid is, 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 having and and then all of a sudden we feel like we need to fix this and solve this immediately to placate whatever um their judgment is 
So no matter what it looks like from the outside, even if it looks like we're doing, quote, nothing, we know that we're choosing to process, to learn, and eventually choose how we're going to respond rather than just react. It can also help to recognize how much of that pressure that we're feeling may be coming from us, that pressure that we're putting on ourselves, and we can again release that with kindness. What we're really wanting to do as we shift to internal processing is cultivate a calm, kind, and non-judgmental internal space before we begin to explore and process what's up. We want to be able to befriend our fear and be open to listening to it because, as you said earlier, that's where the messages are. We miss the lesson if we push it away. So this transition is really important, the transition from externally wanting to fix things to, okay, you know what? We have some time here. I'm feeling uncomfortable. I should really, I'd really like to dig into kind of what's bubbling up for me. Where is this feeling coming from? So knowing that I want to transition, that's that's a really important next step, right? Yeah. And and for me, it's just when I see myself doing that kind of jumping into fixer control, it's just the red flag. And then it starts that process. What's this about? You know, why am I bringing this energy to the situation? What's happening? And um, a friend and I were talking about something that kind of brought this quick, easy question. And it's, is it a trigger or a threat? And this helps me see if my reaction fits what's actually happening around me. And what we found is that triggers can bring about the exact same feelings as an active threat. But there isn't something actually threatening us in the moment. So when it's a trigger, I want to dive into that a little bit. That's where I want to go into that kind of internal processing piece to move through it. And sometimes, though, I will recognize that it's a trigger from childhood. And I actually just set it aside to deal with what's in front of me because there may be something you know, actively happening in front of me. But I'm setting it aside to revisit it later. But that little reminder is so helpful so that I'm not in this high alert, which is a very physical feeling, you know, thinking that there's this huge threat when really I just maybe bumped up against an old wound or something else that's, you know, I haven't processed from before. And just like you, I remind myself there is plenty of time. You know, we aren't talking about peril here. We're talking about things that push our comfort zones, that bring up old fear messages and reminding myself that there's time to take care of it can just really take that charged energy out of the decision and even just bring my, just relax myself into the situation a little bit more because I can get kind of tense and physically feeling that tightness and it just helps me play with the options, you know, time for me to gain a better understanding of what's happening and, you know, where my reactions coming from, because the goal here is not to get rid of the fear or discomfort per se. It's, it's to understand it, to see it as a message and to move to a place of greater understanding where we've moved out of that tunnel vision that fear can produce and into kind of that information gathering and open and curious phase. And, you know, there may be a lot of internal work, like you were talking about as we sort through this, and it, people may not understand what, why is it taking us time, what's happening. And even with our kids, we may need to say, that sounds so interesting. I think I need a little bit of time to process and figure out how I can help you towards that goal. You know, something that gives excitement to them, but a little bit of space, because we can, things can feel very urgent for our kids at times too. 
And then that can make us feel pinned into a corner. Like we're not feeling comfortable, but there's this, you know, urgency coming from them. And so how can we give all of us some space? And what I found is if I can give my full attention to their excitement, to really hear what they're feeling and communicating to me about it, there's still room for me to take some time because once somebody feels heard and seen, they're able to give a little bit more space to things. And sometimes we don't need a huge amount of time, but we do just maybe, especially for those, and maybe this is you and me, like the internal processors, like I need to just have a minute to sit with this idea. But what I found is that that just becomes easier and actually just a part of our kind of process about it because we learn about each other and we know that, you know, we don't have to summarily dismiss something because it doesn't make sense to us in the moment or because it brings up this fear you know, we can inquire and look inward and intentionally move forward, making sure that everyone's needs and concerns are taken care of. And as we set that kind of standard in our family, everybody trusts that. So they know, okay, she needs a little bit of time, but she's going to help me figure out how to do this thing I want to do. Like there's a trust that's built in there, but that still allows me the processing time I need to get to where I can help and, and feel good about it. Yeah, I love that. I love the, uh, the, that we can create this space for ourselves, this time that we need to process something, yet we can also at the same time um, celebrate their excitement yeah. about what, whatever the thing is. Because, uh, so, because often we feel or we worry that if we you know, listen to them and say, oh, I can see you're so excited, you know, all those pieces – that we've implicitly agreed to something, right? Those are different things. Those are different things. And in when you're, you know, asking questions and just uh, steeping in their excitement for a bit, if they're like bubbling over, if that's kind of the situation, you're learning more too, right? You're learning more. You get to learn more about why they're so excited about it probably. And why in particular, because sometimes they're excited about a slice of the thing that we hadn't even thought about, right? It's like, oh, that's what they're thinking about. That's what they think that looks like. Whereas to me, it looks like something completely different. So I am just getting more information and it's absolutely okay to be totally excited with them, help them feel seen and heard about whatever it is that they're interested in. And we can also ask for the space or just state that we need some space to think about that. There, there's some pieces for us. And one thing that's, that's great about that is because then they learn that that's kind of how we process things, right? So they learn that about us. And then I, as my kids got older, they would bring something to me and they would say, you know, you have a chance to think about it <laughs> and then get back to me because they knew I needed that space. You know, it was just how we learn about each other. Right. And then also our kids absorb these tools. And then when they start to feel things bubbling up or they find that they're like, hmm, you know, we're asking them to do something or we're asking if they want to go somewhere, if they can ask for the space too, if they're not quite sure yet, if they want to think a little bit more. So it becomes something that everyone in the family generously gives space to each other when needed, when asked for, you know, and they don't take it personally, right? Because it's not about the thing. We were just super excited about their excitement for the thing, 
right? Yeah. You know, it's not about the thing. It's about meaning the best space to process and figure out what this means. And maybe that thing that was bubbling up for me because some bad experience I had 10 years ago or when I was a child doing something similar and, and putting that aside kindly, compassionately with love to be in the moment isn't ignoring it, right? It's like, I'm going to revisit it that's okay. I'm going to have space for that. And as soon as you notice it, acknowledge it, even it starts subconsciously bubbling away. I swear. And say like, then when you, okay, so you're in the moment, you're excited, you're doing, you're going to set aside this fear that you had based on something that's happened to you in the past. Then you, when you revisit that, you can go, does this apply to now? Does this apply to what I just heard and how they're moving through this situation? And these things, and and I think, like you said, you're getting so much more information by that engagement that when you actually go back to this piece that you haven't shoved aside angrily, that you've just said, yeah, that that was hard for me. That was whatever when I was a teenager or whatever the situation might be. And then you can go, okay, but I see the difference. But I see, and so then you can actually put it to rest with kindness, you know? And so that just feels so much better. And we're learning about each other in these exchanges. We're learning about the internal and external processors in the family. We're learning about how we move through decisions when things feel charged or things are being bubbling up for people. And all that interpersonal learning is just so valuable. So valuable. So So now let's turn our curiosity inward. So for me, this processing piece, just like you said there, does this really relate? It is so much all about asking myself questions. <laughs> so we, we've kind of moved away from our tunnel vision. We're more open and curious. We've quieted the outside noise and maybe the negative inner voices. We validated ourselves. We're feeling kind. And now, like, really, this is when I get super curious, like, where did that come from, right? So it is me asking myself a lot of questions. Often it's why, like, why did that bubble up then? You know, um, why am I uncomfortable with that? Because sometimes you get just this uncomfortable kind of butterfly feeling in your stomach. Sometimes I'm not even quite sure yet where it's coming from, right? What is it that just happened in the last hour <laughs> or day that is like not going away. That's not just moving through me. It's getting kind of stuck here. So, or, or why do I feel like I need to step in here? Or what do I imagine will happen? And why do I not want that thing to happen? So for me, it often takes quite a few whys to get to that juicier revelatory kind of stuff. Because, you know, the first few are like, well, yeah, of course. They're the more... The first few answers are often the whys behind why I'm feeling the fear or the discomfort in the first place, right? So it's it's getting a little bit deeper to start to understand where they're coming from. Also, giving it time, like not saying, okay, <laughs> I have 10 minutes in the bathroom here, so I'm going to get through this. <laughs> or, you know, they're taking a nap and I'm just going to sit down. It really does take time, like in my experience, time for things to bubble up and connect, right? Because sometimes it's things I didn't realize were related to to what's going on. And sometimes it takes a little bit to find the memory that that's kind of being triggered in this moment. 
And that is exactly what we mean about sitting with our questions, sitting with the discomfort, right? It's letting our minds like do a little bit of work and bubbling, asking ourselves questions that we feel might help um, direct our thoughts in ways that will give us this juicier information, right? <laughs> because we're not trying to jump to a quick solution. Like that's that's what we're talking about with the time. Don't don't even go into the exploration with like I'm going to solve this right now. It's more just like, huh, you know what's happening here? What's bubbling up? And for me, it's the same. It's questions. You know, where is this coming from? And, you know, am I projecting into the future something, you know, because that's a big one for me? Am I worried about the judgment of others? Am I really looking at it like thinking, ooh, the neighbor is going to think that we're bananas for doing this or whatever, you know, is that coming into play? Because all those things cloud the perception of the situation in front of me. And, you know, and, and like you mentioned, that's kind of in the step before, but that quiet in the outside noise is so important for me because at this stage that we're talking about, I don't really want to be taking in information from other sources. Like I really want to kind of be sitting with me and like what's bubbling up in me and, and what is this bringing up in me, this situation. And there's a time where I may want that outside, you know, I'm curious what their opinions are or somebody else has been through it. But, but at this first part for me, I'm really just wanting to kind of ask myself the questions why. And um, Byron Katie has what she calls the work and it's made up of a couple of simple questions and I am no expert on the work, but the questions have come in handy to me over the years. And it starts out with, is it true? Is it really true? And then my favorite is like, who would I be without this thought? And she also has what she calls the turnaround. And that's a little bit harder to explain, but pretty much in every situation where we're stuck and making it about someone else or something else, it's really about us. And so that's a great during this stage where we're like, huh, I'm saying they need to do this oh, is it really that I need to do this? Is it really that I need more time in nature or I need more exercise or I need more time to do this creative thing that I want to do, even though I'm putting it on them because they're perfectly happy doing what they're doing. You know, what's that about? So that's kind of an example of the turnaround that really I may be projecting my pieces on to the person around me. And so that, you know, that's just been a valuable tool over the years. And I can just learn so much about myself from these questions. And I can start to see where the thoughts came from and how I got here. And I think sometimes we feel our thoughts really feel like who we are. And what I've learned is that if we can observe our thoughts, we can see, okay, that's where the choice comes in. And then we can be more intentional and realize, yeah, I can choose a different thought. I can choose a different story in this situation And so that really changes things. So that's kind of all the internal pieces that are going on in my head during like this part of the process. Yeah, I love Again, that's where the the playfulness comes, right? So when I'm kind to myself, I don't judge myself for whatever kinds of questions, right? And again, like you said, we're not trying to come to an answer. We may be right where we were at at the beginning when we get to the end, but oh my gosh, now we understand why. We understand why we can explain it. (laughs) We can explain it because that's the hard part for people. Like when we just come in and clamp down, they're like, I don't understand. You're not hearing me. But when we really understand it and can explain it, then they're like, oh, I see what's bothering you. What if we do this instead? You know, that's where the conversations can happen. 
Yeah. And there's one more question that I've always, that I've had fun playing mm-hmm. with. Like when I start to get to like um, a fear or where a fear is coming from or something that my kids are doing or want to do, it's like, what, what if I was a person who really loved that thing? Right? <laughs> Like, it's like, okay, that thing makes me uncomfortable. I don't really want to do that. What if I was, because there are people who love it. You know, what if I was a person that loved that? And just to play with that and to think about, okay, or like, what if I was a parent who was so excited that their kid was interested in this thing, right? And then, because then I can play with, well, if I was really happy that they were interested in the thing, what would I do? Right. So I have talked about Lissy and and rock concerts before when she, so she was like, I don't know, 12, 13, when she was first interested in going, you know, and that was uncomfortable for me. So I did a lot of sitting with that discomfort for a while, seeing where that bubbled up. And, you know, I played with, what if I was like super excited? What if I loved concerts myself and I was so excited to share this with my child? What would I do? You know, I'd be excited and I'd be like, yeah, let's go. And I, and I thought, you know what? I can, yeah, let's go once and see, you know, it's been many years. I And also it's only something I did a couple of times. And just because I didn't really enjoy it doesn't mean that other, like, look at all the other people there who were enjoying themselves, right? Yeah. So it was fun to play with, you know, who would I be or what would I do if I was really excited that they were loving this thing? And that helped me play and realize that being supportive in that way really was something I could do. It feels good because you're going to try on that feeling as you're walking through that scenario. Yeah, no, that was exactly it. And then because... When you say yes to things, when you do things, it doesn't mean you need to do them forever. You know, one yes doesn't mean that you've just committed yourself to a lifetime of yeses. If I didn't have fun, I would have found other ways for her to enjoy it. You know, so just because I say yes for an experience, like I'm learning more. I'm seeing how it goes. That's how I get more information is trying things out. If I can get to a a place where I'm, you know, reasonably excited to see what happens. It's that open and curious piece, right? Okay. I'm open to some new experiences. I can stretch my comfort zone a little bit for your excitement. Like I would like to do this rather than setting you up with someone else to do this because I want to learn more. Like, should I really be feeling uncomfortable? So there's just so much to play with and so much to learn when you start playing with these questions in your mind and just seeing how you can stretch and in what different ways you can take it. Right. (laughs) Okay. So, I mean, that it kind of leads us nicely into this last piece, which is when we've been bubbling up with those questions, thinking about them, now we want to turn our curiosity outward. What does it look like now? So maybe you try the thing, maybe you try going to the show. Um, And once we found this new thing or two, like for me, it was playing around with who would I be or what would I do if I really like this? 
it's also important to realize we don't need to find all the possible things. Like you alluded to that earlier, that, you know, we don't need to get to the root, root, root. If you've got a couple of new things that have bubbled up for you, it's like, that's enough to start playing with right now, right? <laughs> so does what I've discovered make sense in my world? Do I need more information to better answer the questions that have bubbled up? You mentioned earlier, am I projecting my fear into the future? This is a great time to ground myself in the present if that's what's been happening for me. If I play with leaning into my fear, give it a shot, try something out, see what happens. Maybe make a plan just to do something differently now. Hmm, That was making me uncomfortable. I'm going to be a bit more open and curious next time they invite me to join them in that game or that whatever, right? So try it out. Um, and just see what happens. Maybe bring the questions that we've unearthed just top of mind, right, for our day and just watch our days through that lens to see what we discover. Sometimes we can bring our questions into conversations with our kids or with our partner and just kind of get some feedback. Just, you know, we're not saying, oh, I need you. Sometimes we are. It depends on your relationship, depends on your child, you know, the whole kind of dealio. But maybe we just kind of plant the seed. Oh, I was wondering about this. And then you just see what they may say or what kind of reaction you get or, you know, because often in conversation, they're happy to share their point of view or how they say things. Right. And it's interesting and it's fun. Um, So we can just dive in right? And just see what happens. Sometimes if it was, if I, the fear is around something that my kid was doing or choosing to do, was like doing a lot. Maybe that was my fear. They're doing it a lot. It really helped me to just, hmm, hmm, they love something about this and I can't figure out what it is. You know, the question, I am so curious to know what it is they love about. So often it was diving back into the relationship and really focusing on connecting and reconnecting with them And that started to bring more information to me so that I could better understand what was going on and better answer the questions that I was having. So it really was about staying curious now and just turning my lens outward, having some new experiences, just seeing how things unfold with this new, these new couple of revelations or things about myself and what I've been thinking. Um, Now that I know these things, what does it look like now in real life. (laughs) Right. And so, yeah, for me, like this transition to this next phase is really grounding myself in the now, like you said, because so many messages we get from outside sources aren't related to our life, the relationships we've cultivated, the way we know each other. And it can be hard for people to even understand. So while their concern may be coming from a place of kindness, it's not about our family or our reality. So I can let that float by. And so now I've, you know, bubbled up some new ideas. I've quieted that noise. And now we can start trying things on, you know, changing our story, taking those small actions, like you talked about, how does that feel? How does it feel if I'm kind of embracing this piece of it, connecting with those around us now and having those conversations, because now that, you know, you're more grounded, you can share your concerns without the judgment. You know, it doesn't have the charged energy. It's just this curiosity. I'm like, I'm curious about this. This is still feeling a little weird for me. Does that, how does that feel to you? Like, you know, those kind of, it's so much less charged once you've done that work. Whereas if you came in at the beginning, like, I don't like the way this feels. No, that doesn't sound good. You know, it's such a different energy. 
And so, you know, together you can find those ways to move forward that feels good. And yeah, projecting out into the future, just really, I just am so careful about that because we will never know what the future will hold, but it's so disconnecting to take our fears of the future and our what ifs and put them on our children. They want to be seen now for the fully formed humans that they are. And so remaining connected will actually be the most helpful tool to get through those future pieces, to make sure that the future is taking care of itself, is keeping that connection, you know, right there and so strong. And in last week's podcast, you talked a bit about joy and some of the reasons behind it and why you chose it. And when we choose joy, you know, we're laying the groundwork for our brain to know that it's the default we want, not fear. And the more experiences we have with joy and awe and gratitude, the easier it is to go right back there when something gets us off track. Because going off track is not bad or wrong in and of itself. It's just a message to me to, hmm, I need to tune back in and I want to be making intentional choices to keep that connection in the forefront. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And it really is. I keep reminding myself, like, I am not trying to solve this for the future, right? It could so often when we're uncomfortable, we really want to not be uncomfortable again. <laughs> right? So it's like, okay, I just want to process this. I just want to figure this out. And I want it all to be okay into the future. Uh, you know, so that is one of the things that as you're going through this process, I mean, one of the things that I kind of learned long term is that, oh, this isn't a find out what all the problems are that I am uncomfortable with, do this process, and then finally we can live in comfort. <laughs> this is life. Like this processing is fully engaged and living a life with the other people that are in it with the relationships that I'm choosing to have and the people I'm choosing to care about and to connect with. So, you know, not judging ourselves for these things bubbling up for us and they're going to keep bubbling up and the process. And as you're saying, being able to reach for that joy to find, to remember that, oh yeah, this is one of those things I'm going to process, you know, and to be okay with that. Right. Right, because that's the thing. As this becomes the habit, the ingrained piece, it's like, oh, something's bubbled up. I'm going to do a little bit of digging. I'm going to look into this a little bit more. I'm going to reconnect with my child or my partner or whatever's happening. And, and then it becomes easier. So yeah, things are still going to bubble up. There's still going to be discomfort. But I feel like you don't say stuck as long. Like that's been my experience. Like I don't say stuck as long and I don't spiral so deeply. Like I start to go mm, and I'm having the discomfort and then I know I have a way out of it. I know I have a way to make sense of it in my environment. I know I have a way to remain connected in my environment. And so it feels much lighter, you know? And so that that's really what this whole piece is about. It's just kind of feeling this in your bones, this process of how you can move through anything and it works with anything. You can move through really tough things by the same process. And so, you know, that just feels good to have those kind of extra tools and know that, okay, we're going to bump up against things, but we have a way we can move through it together and keep our relationships intact. Yes. That is what I love the most is the process works no matter what, <clears throat> you know, from processing really big, heavy things that are going on, to, you know, 
noticing, darn, I need some more sleep. You know, I'm obviously tired (laughs) because just you and you get again, it's not that you never have to process again. It's that you start to notice things a bit earlier, right? You notice the clues because you you're familiar with them. You're experienced with them. You have the process that you can reach to more more quickly. So you notice a bit earlier, you know, you have a path to go through and a process to follow. And it it really just, just helps you. You know what? It felt like I had a tool. I felt much more capable of whatever comes up. You know what? I don't know what that's going to be, but we can handle it. We can find our way through it. And that came with experience, right? Yes, And it's so much more empowering to realize that is within you and that you can do this versus following rules that someone else has set aside. Because we've all been there. Most of us have been to school. Like, so we followed the rules and did, but we didn't have that deep understanding. And this process really empowers you to know you don't need experts or whatever. You're the expert in you and your family family and your relationships. And so I like that piece of it too, because I think we derail sometimes when we're trying to follow someone else's path and it's not feeling great. Yeah. Like, and that, as we talked about in the information, kind of like when we turn outward and we're curious, we're going to like look for answers to our questions, but we're always bringing it back to what makes sense to me. What makes sense in our lives, what makes sense with the actual people that I have in front of me? Like that is where the power is. And I can't emphasize enough how important it is to be kind and compassionate towards yourself in this process, or you, you are going to find yourself spinning your wheels there, feeling stuck. You're going to much more um, strongly and quickly want to reach for control, um, which is going to bring disconnection into your relationships. You know, like you said, it's not the end of the world. It, they, again, that's more information, more learning, more repair that needs to be done in the relationships, but uh, that can be done too. But kind, compassionate, open, curious, fears and discomforts are okay. They're just messages for ourselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you so much, Anna. Such a pleasure to chat with you. Always. Have a great day. Bye. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.